when people say, okay, the Bible is exactly literal. It tells me exactly what I need to do. This is the only way. It's the complete absence of faith because you're not trusting and believing in anything. You're gripping and grasping onto this like control. Hello, and welcome back to Under Our Roof. I'm Lizzie. And I am once again Barbara Streisand. Actually, EGOT winner. It's, <laughs> it's Barbara Streisand's birthday today. I think it was yesterday, but yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I just saw a Twitter thread that we can link in the show notes just documenting all of Barbara Streisand's accomplishments. And I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show, but I'm a big Barbara Streisand fan. I tried to host a Barbara Streisand movie festival my freshman year of college and no one came except darren i didn't know that story yeah amazing i had a really stacked lineup my favorite movie of hers is either funny girl or the way we were my ringtone for a long time was the song people by barbara streisand and the song the way we were it still hits me every single time if you haven't seen her version of a star is born I would recommend maybe spending some time uh, this week checking it out. Barbara Streisand, uh, we love you. Big fan of the show, I'm sure. And we just wish you a very happy birthday. I think she turned 77 or 78. A living legend. And congrats on cloning your dogs. I was just thinking very, about... Very yeah. cool and weird thing that you did with all that money. And I, I who among us wouldn't... At least give it a thought, you know, oh, I, if you could. Don't I joke all the time, except it's not a joke, about wanting to clone Bean? Yeah. And if you had the resources of Barbara Streisand and you were like, this is the dog I want. I don't want another dog. I don't want another cat. I don't want another goldfish. Like, this is my pet. You know, why Why not? Weird science at work. It's the 21st century, baby. I'm You're Barbara sure. Streisand. Do what you want. I think there's problems with that, though. Yeah, there, I mean, uh, I'm saying this from a point of ignorance. <laughs> I, I am sure that there are some dubious implications of cloning a household <laughs> pet. Oh, my goodness. I have no doubt. Although we clone plants all the time. Like, anytime you propagate a plant, if you take a clipping from another plant and then you let it root and replant it, if you've ever done that, what you're actually doing is cloning the plant, which is crazy. Could we get in trouble with that from the law? No. Okay, good to know. <laughs> well, it just feels like, I mean, cloning anything feels like you're going to get busted by some what? sort of strange government organization that we don't know about yet. No. But plants, yeah, I guess that's pretty it's harmless. Different. Plants are cloned all the time. Yeah, unless it's like a drug plant, then they wouldn't do <laughs> that. Hey, speaking of drug plants. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good segue. <laughs> unfortunately. Speaking of drug plants, Lizzie and I just finished watching this series on Hulu called Sasquatch. And we were really excited because you may know either from my song, Jesus from Texas, or just from following us for a period of time. Yeah, we did. Well, not a whole episode, but in our episode about, it's titled Reba and Other Obsessions, we talk about Bigfoot, Mm -hmm. which I am, I would say, a casual believer in Bigfoot. I might even, this is a bit uh negative has a negative connotation but i might even describe myself as a fair weather believer or Mm -hmm. something like that but i do kind of believe in sasquatch and i'm open to learning more and i've never been one of those people that's like no there's simply no way i i want to believe yeah and so there's a new series that just came out i think like in the last week or two mm-hmm. on hulu called sasquatch and the trailer the trailer is gripping Ooh, you know what 
I'm just going to put the audio for the trailer in right here so you kind of understand why we were hooked. Someone doesn't have to be out in the woods too long to feel like I might not belong here and something is going to take me out. I've been a journalist for about 25 years. Embedding with street gangs, going undercover as a neo-Nazi skinhead. And I'm going to tell you the craziest story I've ever heard. I was working on a cannabis farm up in Northern California. I remember a guy telling me about three bodies torn to pieces. He said a Bigfoot killed those guys. A Bigfoot murdered three guys on a dope farm. There's always been rumors of legendary violence. The story of Sasquatch or of man-like monsters has been with us from the very beginning. There's a belief in supernatural forces that runs deeper up here than most places. You believe that Sasquatch can teleport? And no. That, yes, you do. No, yes, I do you not. Do. You do. Do not go there. The Emerald Triangle is famous worldwide for producing cannabis plants. It's just the best in the world. People came here to get rich quick. They don't want outside or something. The rate of missing persons cases is the highest in the United States by far. Old-time cannabis growers are willing to sit down and talk to me, but there's no way they're ever going to go on camera. Many of people have been killed up there and never found. I'm venturing into dangerous territory with all these hippies listening to the Grateful Dead, but packing an AR-15. We probably have more bodies than we could even count. It's pretty bad. Tell me about the crime that your son witnessed. I really can't talk about that. People pass through here, and they just see how beautiful it is. They have no idea the shit that goes on in this area. As scary as some of these stories are, we still want to figure it out. People are afraid of the unknown. The evidence convinces me that Sasquatch is dangerous. It scared the crap out of me. I don't know if I believe in Bigfoot, but I sure as hell believe there are monsters among us. Yeah, so the trailer hooked us immediately. We watched it, and within seconds, we're like, that's our show. Let's turn it on right yeah. now. I think we were like, let's get in jammies. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's like let the dogs out and get settled. We are locked and loaded. And the first episode was amazing. It's only three episodes. It ends with such an incredible cliffhanger. We were so excited. And as you may recognize, we are using past tense. <laughs> this show did not honestly live up to what we had expected. It didn't. But given that it's only three episodes, I thought it was very entertaining. And I would recommend it to anyone that's looking for a miniseries. A little conspiracy theory miniseries where there's... I don't know. The stakes are kind of strange. It is sort of meandering storytelling, but they introduce you to some compelling characters and theories. And I I thought that the story editing wasn't great, but I also think that they introduce you to some subcultures and things that are happening in this country that we don't talk about very often. And in that regard, it's kind of a nice jumping off point for further research, but way less Sasquatch content than we were hoping. Way, way less. Yeah, I feel like for someone like me that's genuinely very interested in Sasquatch and wants to know more and wants to hear from the people that have studied this, it was a bit of a bait and switch because they presented those people to us. They had experts. They right. had tenured university professors talking about Sasquatch. And then they kind of just veered in a very, very opposite different. direction. 
And I don't want to give anything else away, but if you are a Sasquatch lover like I am, then just go into it not expecting too much. Yeah, and I think even if you're just interested in the lore of Bigfoot and Sasquatch and um, a a man-like monster, they touch on it. I just really felt like there was a lane that they sort of missed to explore. But again, it's only three episodes, so check it out. There is uh, a lot of twists. It's just not the twists that we would have cared to explore personally. I agree. And if nothing else, it is a really interesting kind of introduction to a very beautiful part of California where we have visited and we absolutely love it up there and I'm dying to go back. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested in like Humboldt County, Mendocino area, then you'll get a lot of beautiful footage of it and a lot of history of the region that's really interesting if you watch twilight and you were like damn this type of area seems like my place um you might enjoy some of the stock footage that they use in the documentary (laughs) yeah um even though that takes place in washington northern california if you've never spent that much time and i don't mean like san francisco that's kind of the middle of the state Mm -hmm. i mean northern northern california uh it totally looks like oregon and washington Mm -hmm. you wouldn't know that it wasn't yeah Wanna make my girl a mixtape A love song she'd know were just from me Okay, so diving a little bit into a more serious topic, although I don't know what's more serious than Sasquatch, but... <laughs> Not in this household, <laughs> in under this our household. roof. But diving into more of the uh, main topic of today's episode... We are going to talk about the concept of religious deconstruction, which may seem like a bit putting the, what's the metaphor, cart now now the putting the horse in front of the cart where the cart has been in front of the horse in the past, however many episodes. What's happening with this cart and horse? I just feel how like... How do they get anywhere? Well, I don't know. I don't know how we've even gotten here. <laughs> We're really at a standoff. But let me explain. A lot of people that have written in about our podcast that are listening, which we so appreciate, I've gathered, are very interested in religious deconstruction and maybe going through that process themselves or have gone through it in the past. And that's something that I think we've kind of has kind of had an implicit role in our podcast, but not really discussed that much in depth. We've kind of talked about um, faith and sexuality and whether you can be privately affirming, which we don't believe you can, which we talked about in an earlier episode. Uh, and we've we've skirted around a lot of these topics, and that wasn't intentional that we were avoiding talking about our own deconstruction. It just hadn't come up that naturally. And I think what we'll explain today will kind of explain why we haven't just uh, dove into that topic in the past. But for anyone that's not super familiar, the concept of religious deconstruction, I think, can be kind of broadly defined. Yeah. But is generally, I feel like, talked about with regard to Christianity. But I don't want to overgeneralize because I know that it could be applied to a lot of different religions. I just don't have personal experience with other religions um, from a personal faith standpoint. Basically, the concept of religious deconstruction is questioning some of the both ancillary and kind of core parts of one's faith and either deciding to no longer practice faith in the same way that what you were maybe raised with or practicing it in a new, different, more nuanced perhaps way um, or something in between or even going back to kind of the same core tenets but with 
I think a broader understanding appreciation yeah basically kind of dismantling i think another word for deconstruction could be dismantling and and reconsidering and questioning and i do think that in christianity that a lot of people in the u.s were raised with there are things that i i would say objectively don't really add up and what by that i mean is the amount that western christianity is often really just about uh, enforcing social norms. Mm -hmm. So things like gender and saying, okay, well, men should do this because the Bible says that men are a certain way and women are a certain way, even though the way that, at least in the U.S., normative gender roles, they don't map on to what people would have done in biblical times at all. So it's like, that doesn't add up. Yeah. I I was talking to someone the other day. I've done a lot of... um guest appearances on deconstructionist podcasts. And I feel really fortunate to be in a time where there are so many different resources for people as they navigate their own deconstruction journey. And one thing that I want to emphasize is that it's not like there's one way to deconstruct your religion at all. I, I think it's really important that this isn't something uniform, that you're not trying to go from one rigid set of beliefs and core values and structures to something different. This is really about creating your own personal relationship to the divine in a way that is natural and beneficial and healthy for you. And that's going to look different for every person because everyone is so beautifully different. So just hold that. I was on a deconstructionist podcast and they use this really nice metaphor about deconstruction, which is like for so many of us, this is a music metaphor. So go with me. When you're building a song on like a Logic or Ableton or, or Pro Tools, each track of each instrument is on a different line, right? And so you can mute all of them and you'll hear nothing. Or you can just solo the drums and you'll just hear the drums for like the entirety of the song. And for many of us, it's sort of like we've just been hearing the drums for the entirety of the song. And it can be an incredibly intricate drum line, but without adding in the guitar and the bass or, oh my gosh, the lyrics, the context of the drums just gets, it's not as as beautiful as resonant because you just don't know the whole picture of what you're meant to be listening to, of, of what the intention of the composer was. And so I think with deconstruction, it's stripping away things and then also adding in things to create a whole beautiful song, a uh, symphony that where before people were just telling you it's just the drums, just the drums are there, only listen to the drums. I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I think it definitely does. And I think a lot of the reason why their deconstruction is such an intensely um, emotional and powerful experience for a lot of people is because so many congregations, I think, in the U.S. have this really kind of like arrogant and bizarro point of view where it's like somehow our church that's in like i don't know i'm not going to name any part of the country because i'm actually not it's not like a regional thing it's true and almost everywhere that i've ever seen yeah but like this our church our like southern baptist church or whatever somehow we uniquely know that the way we are living is the right way yeah and it's the only way and it's just crazy how can you say that the way that the the norms of one town or the norms you know the the way of living of one area or the way of just the the idea that like 
the conventional way of living is the right way and that that's Mm -hmm. related to religion, it does not make any sense. And I think realizing that and that realizing so much of what people tried to teach in church was about control mm-hmm. and about yeah enforcing social norm enforcing western social norms that really have nothing to do with christianity it's like this really intense experience to realize like damn i can totally believe in my faith still because the core of everything is pretty much unchanged but the dressing that it was given for so long is just yikes like where did you get that yeah i always come back to god is love but people will poison that you know we were given such sort of simple instructions across um the spectrum of faith and religion almost across the board it's god is love you know Mm -hmm. that that love is the most powerful force in the world And we just find ways of picking people apart and tearing people down and poisoning that true and divine love. So part of deconstruction is, at least for me, is getting back to that core value and Mm -hmm. examining everything from the lens of love, from radical, Mm -hmm. inclusive love. And then it just becomes very, uh, I guess, confusing maybe not confusing, just contradictory when you find people who are just acting and making laws as informed by their faith that fly in the face of loving another person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for many people been a root cause of deconstruction, of, of seeing yeah. people in positions of power cite a gospel of love, radical love, unconditional love to legislate or to just make judgments or sweeping assertions about communities of people based on that. It's a bastardization Mm -hmm. of what I believe to be a love story, which is the Bible. I definitely think so. And I want to get into a little bit of each of our own journeys and whether we've deconstructed and what that looks like if we have. Mm -hmm. Um, Spoiler, I would say we both have, but we also have, I think, a different journey than a lot of people who have deconstructed, which is because of our respective starting points that we'll briefly go over. Mm -hmm. But also, before we do that, I I just thought of kind of like an example that I think is helpful. And this is a very simplified example. And this is not where I think most people's hurt from the church comes from, but it's just an example. Mm -hmm. For me growing up, I went to a Southern evangelical church that was very big on dressing up a certain way. And I remember so many fights, both with my parents and my friends with their parents about like what they could wear to church, what was and wasn't appropriate, and people being very gossipy about like, wow, like the straps on her dress, blah, blah, blah. And and like old ladies wearing hats, which love that for them. But like, I remember always being confused because like guys weren't allowed, like you could not wear a baseball hat in church. It was like sacrilegious, but ladies could wear hats. And all of that has nothing to do with Christianity. Like what you wear, all of that stuff is just like the North Carolina (laughs) flavor that was told to me as if it was biblical truth that like that is what you have to wear to church. And here's the thing, I don't see anything wrong with being like, yeah, we dress up because we show each other respect that we're taking this seriously. Now for me, I think that having like a dress code for church is a bad idea, but I also get that you could explain to kids oh, well, we all dress up because it's all a sign of respect to each other, that this is a sacred time that we spend each week. And 
you know, God doesn't care. We don't have to dress up, but that's a social contract we've made with each other. Mm. It has nothing to do with the religion. But when it's, again, this is a very simplified example. This doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Just imagine this applied on a larger scale to more deeply hurtful things. It's so gaslighting to be like, well, that's what we do for God is dress up. And it's like, why? But, you know, I also think that is applied on a larger scale because it becomes sort of the respectability specifically with girls and how women and girls have been impacted by purity culture of an evangelical tradition. Mm There is a certain way that a girl will dress that is quote unquote respectable in the eyes of God, which is ridiculous, you know, but, but but things like that, the dress code at church and that social contract at a church bleeds over into when you see that person outside of church, if they're wearing straps again, you're gonna you're now conditioned to clock that stuff. It's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. not respectable. That yeah. person is not uh, adhering to biblical teachings. You see how it gets so blurry and messy, even though the justification for that is non-existent. Yeah, I think it's just so it's it causes a lot of confusion as you get older and develop your own faith and learn about the texts that form the basis of the faith that you were taught and you realize that none of this stuff that you were told was like a do or die make or break thing actually has anything to do with your religion and you're like Mm -hmm. where you guys just lied like why did you make it why did you make everything seem like life or death like if you stick out like a sore thumb at church then it means like you're saying like fuck you to god it's control (laughs) like what yes it's all about control control and i feel like so much of of western religion is about control which is crazy because my own personal faith journey it's all about freedom Mm -hmm. and i just it's so sad and disappointing that it's just been used as this tactic of control but let's talk about our own like have we deconstructed and what does that mean yes i just want my final point on okay first of all you're firing on all cylinders am i i feel like i'm not making any (laughs) no 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 i understand it it's a it's really difficult to um, define and to convey in a way that feels sort of concise because it's something that we're all experiencing and that we're living through. But no, you're doing a great job, lady. Thank you. What you just said called to mind something for me, which is the control is working because there is an entire voting base in this Mm. country that is controlled by these doctrines. Mm -hmm. They'll vote for Donald Trump, who, I mean, just like, let's just put him on paper, is antithetical to anything that would even be allowed. And yet, no, he's going to be the leader. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense, but it's because of the control. It's a comprehensive control tactic. So you wanted to get into... I wanted to briefly touch on and, like, I guess clear up maybe something. because rumors about you. The rumors. <laughs> the rumors. Some of you guys have been spreading rumors <laughs> about Lizzie, and she's going to clear up these rumors. No, I just... Okay. I have gotten a few questions recently that have made me realize, oh, I think maybe I've mis not misrepresented, because I don't think I have, but I've um wait, can we can I start that over? No, I think that this is a great start to your YouTube video of like clearing <laughs> up the lies. No. Sharing my truth. No. Exposed. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that, okay, I've gotten the vibe from some questions that I've gotten that people are like, oh yeah, I also recently came to the conclusion like that I don't think being gay is a sin and stuff like that. And okay, this is the really weird thing that I feel so lucky to be able to say, mm-hmm. but I never thought that. 
not for a second. Like, I never thought that it was wrong to be gay. And I cannot explain it other than, like, the divine told me. Now I have a more nuanced view of, like, why the verses that are used in certain ways have been mistranslated, have been weaponized, stuff like that. But I just think that for some reason, like, a spiritual gift that I was given is skepticism and is, like, this interesting proclivity towards not accepting things at face value because I would say I deconstructed when I was like 15. Well, you were outed at 15. Yeah. And that's not actually totally tied together. But I just think like, I just felt I remember going to youth group and feeling like everyone there was so mean. And just in general, I felt like I had deeply spiritual moments in my life and they were never in church. Mm. And church was like this sticky, sweet, like sickly, cloying place to me. And yet I had like a deep faith from a young age. But church was like nails on a chalkboard. And now I've realized that's partly because I really didn't like the church that I grew up in. Sorry, mom, if you're listening, but (laughs) ugh. I would not go back there now, and I don't think they were really teaching, like, good fruit at all. I'm, like, almost getting emotional saying this, but I feel like I don't have a deconstruction story to share now. And when people are like, oh, I've also been questioning things, I'm kind of like, I think for whatever reason I did that as a kid, Mm. and I haven't been through it that recently. So I feel like I don't. Is this making any sense? No, it's making a lot of sense. Yeah, I think I always felt like an outcast at church as a kid. And I always felt like there was so much contradiction. And I was always like a very precocious kid. I was always a deep thinker, very introverted. And so I think I just could not be spoon fed things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was like, that doesn't, that literally does not add up. Like you're contradicting what you said yesterday, dude. I'm really grateful for that. But yeah, because of that, I feel like I deconstructed as like a young teenager and even as a kid and I haven't deconstructed lately, but maybe I am still kind of going through that. You say that you haven't deconstructed lately. However, you and I are always talking about scripture, the gospels, different interpretations. Like, you know, I'll watch a sermon. I'll be like, oh, did you hear this interpretation on this passage? So I think that our deconstruction journey as a couple is now just sort of seamless. Like, I I don't really think the rub is there in the same way, where if someone has a really surprising and different interpretation on a piece of scripture that we'd heard forever. I, I think mm-hmm. of um, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I, I'll i try and find this and we can link it in the show notes, but there's a really excellent sermon from Middle Church uh, mm-hmm. reinterpreting the historical context of that scripture that Joseph, it's like a trans interpretation on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say too much because I, I'm going to only do a, a disservice. But if you're interested, things like that, Lizzie and I are always sort of bopping around the house talking about. I just think that maybe the the charge of deconstruction, sort of the the bite of it, is not very present in our house. We've sort of arrived at this point of divine mystery. Yeah, I think that's what I totally embrace. And I do think that I'm still evolving and growing. And it's to the point now where if somebody had referred to God with like a gender neutral term or Lord forbid, a female term... Like, a, like to be like God the mother or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like people would have rioted in my home church. And now 
I know people may cringe at this, but when I see people referring only to God as like he, 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 and like capitalizing like he and him and stuff, I feel like I don't know who they're talking about. I'm like, you're talking about a different spiritual being than what I believe in, Mm -hmm. which I know sounds cuckoo in a way. And I feel like people are going to be like, okay, do you know what I mean? Like, I can't with the like rigidity that people talk about the divine with. Especially when, and this is another thing to to chew on for later in your Google searches, there is scriptural evidence, abundantly clear examples of God being used in a maternal sense. Yeah. And so the, the, the fact that we were just conditioned to be using like he, him pronouns for God and to not tie that directly to a patriarchal system, it just feels like you're picking and choosing honestly yeah like honestly that's another example of growing up and being told one thing and being like wait that doesn't actually that's not true like the fact that like god is a man on a cloud yeah and that only you would only say he for god is like sick that's like so twisted to me i'm like why would you tell kids that it's not true yeah i mean it's also just incredibly limiting yeah all-powerful creator yeah i'm like ugh I think for me, deconstruction was also a little different than what I've heard from other people. It has been a recent thing in my life, and it also hasn't at the same time. So my dad is an Episcopal priest. I was raised in the rectory. My dad is also just the coolest guy. Um, If my parents are ever here, we have to do a podcast episode with them. Because he was incredibly accepting when I came out. He's always just been so loving and kind and considerate and devoted to his faith. And some of my earliest memories are of praying with him. And yet still, he was not able to protect me. I don't think that he knew what to look for from environments that were more evangelical in their tradition and that were very rigid and regressive in their theology. Not anything that my dad would ever condone, but I just think that he's a cis straight white dude and he kind of assumed that the world was a type of way that it's not. And you also don't know that you're raising a queer kid when you have kids. And so he didn't know that. And I was put into certain situations and environments that I know he feels really awful about. But as I was coming out, I had a similar thing with that Lizzie did, which is like, I was frustrated because I wasn't seeing representation of queer Christians when I would, you know, look up on YouTube, uh, gay Christian, it was all like ex-gay, anti-gay stuff. But I also knew in my deepest of hearts, when, when I would go to prayer, I felt the most close with God when I was being honest about who I am. And I couldn't ignore that. You know, I I felt like the most sort of sick and broken when I was trying to be someone I'm not. And so I knew for me, I'm like, okay, well, that's, this is a God moment here. And then I just sort of accepted that Christians were uh, all crazy. And my dad was one of the good ones. And I wasn't super interested in faith necessarily. And then I experienced some rejections and some uh, personal things with regressive Christianity that caused me to dive more seriously into deconstruction, which is actually how the doc series that you you might have seen of mine called State of Grace got started was because of a heartbreak in my own life where I was like, okay, I don't think I can ignore this anymore. I don't think it's sufficient for me to just say, oh, not all Christians, basically. Like, I think I need to take ownership of this community that I am a member of that is causing systemic harm to communities I am allied to, a member of, and care about, 
I need to start diving in and examining this and doing what I can to dismantle all of the abuse within Christianity. And that's sort of how we've arrived at where we are today. I think that deconstruction is is a heart wrenching process. And there are times when it is harder. There are days when Lizzie and I will feel really down and disheartened and hopeless. For sure, we have those days. But most of the time, we feel fortified and encouraged and optimistic as queer people of faith. And that's that's just where we have arrived today. Again, there are absolutely hard days. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that helps to paint a little bit of a picture for where we are at with with our deconstructionist uh journey oblivious did you flinch when you threw a little more under the bus but when the check comes is it glorious What's it cost to ignore? When you have been in a community that's been gaslit for so long, you kind of want to just start from scratch and say, like, all right, we're not going to assume that anyone is right. And I think that is a big part of deconstruction is like, just let go of this idea that you have to be right with faith and that you have to be living the right way because that's impossible. When people say, okay, the Bible is exactly literal, it tells me exactly what I need to do, and this is the only way, it's the complete absence of faith because you're not trusting and believing in anything. You're gripping and grasping onto this like control mm. instead of having actual faith that, yes, life is a mystery. The divine is a mystery. Yeah, You have to have faith to go through the hard parts of life without being able to see everything exactly laid out in front of you because it's the people i think that cling to certain elements of the bible i'll limit it specifically to gender and sexuality since those are the ones that impact us the most closely as a rule book that to me feel sometimes like the furthest from faith yeah from a dynamic complex relationship with a creator when you are looking for scripture like how do i be a woman (laughs) <laughs> like how 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 woman to be and then it's like one two the oh well let's look at scripture we have this 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 and this and that's not to say that we don't love reading our bible lizzie's bible is a work of art honestly because lizzie like paints and doodles in the margins and writes your thoughts and things like that i think that there is another misconception that people who have deconstructed do not care about scripture or the bible at all It's just that we view it as a love story, not a rule book. Very similar to our episode on gender. This is another episode where we are laying it out for y'all. This is where we are. We do not have all the answers. Not even close. We don't even have a we don't have any answers. No, that's the point. That's the whole point. We don't have any answers. And I would be wary of anyone who is saying that they do. Deconstruction is a process. And I hope that if that's something that you're going through right now, that you just feel heartened, encouraged, that there are resources out there for you that can help guide you and that you feel really loved and that you've found support. I know it can be it can be scary out there, but you're not alone. 
Do you have anything else you want to no, close was, with, lady? That was very well said. Thank you. Yeah. Also, shout out to my dad for always letting me wear whatever the fuck I wanted to church. <laughs> Love that for me. Um, was definitely awkward. I went through a heavy basketball short phase, but he was there. Yeah, I love that for you. Yeah. I think that being controlling of what people wear to church is a reason people leave. And if you are constantly complaining about like everyone's leaving the churches, then don't <laughs> don't have such a vice grip on people's lives. Were you allowed to wear flip flops to church? Was that again? I wasn't allowed to wear flip flops out of my house. <laughs> I was told that if I wore flip-flops to school, the flip-flopping noise down the hallway would be so disrespectful to my teachers that it would be an embarrassment to my family. And I used to hide them in my locker so that I could wear my flip-flops. Oh, my God. And I would wear different different shoes for carpool. What would you have to wear to church? Like, what was the the dress code? I mean, just like a nice dress, dress, yeah. Which is fine. I like wearing dresses, but... Mm -hmm. uh, could I have worn like menswear and stuff to church? When? Like as it, kids? Yeah. No. This, yeah, that's what I thought. That's the great irony of it all is like I would wear the most modest outfit <laughs> if I, you know, wore menswear, like nice slacks and a shirt. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, no, show those womanly ankles. Show them to honor the Lord. <laughs> I know, so weird. And you like, must wear sensible flats to honor Jesus. Even the nice like sundresses that would go, even if they go to your knee, uh-huh. wouldn't that be like considered? Oh, you'd way be stoned for it. In Bible times. In Bible times, it's gaslighting, is what I'm saying. If you're trying to be like the Bible tells you what you're supposed to wear, it does not. You'd be murdered for it. Well, even like. Men aren't supposed to have long hair in theory because they aren't. Well, I don't know. But in Bible times, didn't they have? Yeah, that's long what hair? I mean. Oh. But I feel like you would be considered like not. Uh, Do you think that's why Cola Brandt had long hair for a long time to be closer to God? No. Okay, that's a deep cut reference. You might not understand that. That's totally fine. That's another rabbit hole that Lizzie <laughs> and I have, have dove down, which is scary evangelical family vloggers. Maybe we should do an episode on that sometime. Hey, let us know. You can always rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We are an independent podcast, so it's extremely helpful. And you can write to us at underourroofpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Under Our Roof. I am once again Barbara Streisand. We're getting so good I at am this. Barbara Streisand's clone dog. Bye. <laughs> no, this is, we'll see you later. Have a good rest of your week, uh, day, evening, wherever you are. Thank you.